and you know you're in this tournament and you don't do anything to try and win. What the hell? But I'll be there because I have tickets to the game. So a couple of things. I, I'm really glad you brought this up. I actually didn't know you were going to bring this up, but I am so happy. This, this gives me personal joy. So two things. Number one, we began this podcast on the premise of your, of your furious anger over the New Orleans Saints League. And your yelling did not even come. Like, you were very calm, cool, and collected when we recashed the NFC Championship. But this... The CONCACAF championship, pretentious cross-country running, is, is the thing that gets, that gets this response and reaction. I love that. Secondly, I enjoy the fact that they're playing Panama. Soccer's like the only thing we're good at because we suck at baseball and I've established that. But the, but the reality is that so – how much are the tickets, by the way? I'm curious now. You know what? To be honest with you, I don't know because – Because you I- didn't pay for them? Hello, welcome to episode five of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, a podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate period of time. This week brought to us verbatim from David's Angel Fire page from 1997 with the Under Construction GIF. I'm Carlos Agazar, and with me, as always, is Dave Turnbull. And I wish I actually knew what you were talking about, but I have no idea what Angel Fire that's is. That's completely okay. I, that's what I want. You finally got a reference that's beyond me. I want this. Quick history lesson for the, for the internets, for the people. Angel Fire was a free website platform, not dissimilar to GeoCities. Okay. I so, do remember GeoCities. Yeah. So it was the same kind of thing. And at the time I had an Angel Fire page and a GeoCities page, not because I needed them, but because you could, they were free websites and I like tinkering around with them. So anybody from the mid to late nineties would probably remember that Angel Fire, I believe still exists. They're part of Lycos, which again, if you remember the mid to late 90s, that name would mean something to you. If you're under the age of, say, 20, it means nothing. Absolutely nothing. So there's your free OG commercial internet history lesson of the day. And I appreciate it. Yes. So now, with that out of the way, there is a lot. So I think my overarching theme of this episode, if I may, is what the hell is going on? I think that's fair, right? This has been a crazy week. There there was a lot. So... If you're listening to this on the podcast platform, what I'm going to do is in the show notes, I'm going to include links to everything we're going to talk about where there's an article involved, but I'm also going to include a little bit of information regarding our, our YouTube channel. But if obviously, if you are listening to it on the YouTube channel, that's perfectly okay. What we're going to do is on the YouTube channel itself, if you do go there, I would still recommend it if you're interested in a little bit more on it because I went in depth. We did some intrepid reporting in the worldwide headquarters of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast where I went over a couple of the stories we're talking about specifically related to the AAF. I'm still going to summarize it here and we'll have our thoughts, but there is a little bit more in depth there. And while you're there, if you could do us a favor and subscribe, we would much appreciate it. Otherwise, you can listen to us here and any other download from your podcast app of choice. So I think out of the gap, as far as news and notes are concerned, normally I would say, you know, how was your week? But I think we've got enough news and notes, so I think we're going to go this straight into it. All right. So we're going to do it from here. Right now, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a lighter fare, and then we'll kind of work our way into it. So before I get into some of the stories that are going to lead into our bigger news and notes, let's do the one that you brought up late. Let's talk about the Great Cup. The CFL announced this week the host cities for the 2020 Great Cup and the 2021 Great Cup. So they are Regina, Saskatchewan in 2020. And most excitingly, finally, Hamilton, Ontario, Tim Hortons Field, 2021, which I think is great for the city of Hamilton, great for fans that are in southern Ontario. I think it's going to create a better crowd and better atmosphere than the last one at BMO Field in Toronto. However, it is Tim Hortons Field, and you never know what kind of construction flaw is going to pop up between now and then. Perfect. And for any of uh, any of our American or foreign listeners, maybe the best way to think of it, if you don't know where Hamilton, Ontario is or what Hamilton, Ontario would be, it's basically knockoff Pittsburgh. 
And if you think of Tim Hortons Field, it would be like if, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's football stadium was named Dunkin' Donuts Place. Yeah, that's, I think that's a, an apt comparison. That's, that's about the best, you know, comparable we can do. But I do have a question uh, that, you know, a, a wise man proposed on Twitter. So Oggs asks this, the following question. So does that mean they have to have the building finished by 2021 or is that still not necessary? Well, it depends what you mean by finished, right? I think, again, what kind of construction error is going to pop up? But I think the big thing there really with, in, in all seriousness, is the CFL Hall of Fame is supposed to be going there and creating there. So if we'll see if anything happens with that, right? If you need, if anything was going to happen where it says, hey, we need something to have it complete by this day, that's going to be it. So I think things are going to, any issues, they'll probably step up and fix them. I would hope anyway. I think uh, the more important question, so, you know, I wanted to get Oggs' question in there, but my question would be is, uh, are they going to have some extensive renovations on the ruins? I did appreciate the concession options in the, you know, nearby ruins, but I, I do hope that they do spruce it up a little bit for 2021. I think that'd be good. That's the Great Cup piece. So if you don't know anything about Canadian football, we're going to move on. The next order of business, uh, really quickly. We're going to do a little bit of hockey content because it is a Canadian-based podcast. The Carolina Hurricanes uh, basically offended our local blowhard, Don Cherry. And as a result, they took a little bit of offense to it. And again, article in the description, which will give you a little more info. Um, he basically called them a bunch of jerks for their celebrations. I think it's post-win celebrations. Yeah. I believe it was the main focus. So they're, they're go usually what happens when a team wins is they'd come on the ice and skate around with their sticks up in the air. They started doing that only a couple of years right? ago, though. But, but yes. But that's nothing out of the ordinary, no. at least at this stage of the game. But now the Hurricanes are doing things like they're doing limbo with on the ice and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So because of those, Harry, uh, sorry, excuse me, Don Cherry is very traditional in his views on hockey, with his views on everything. AKA much. he's old. And he did, took offense to it. So he called them, said they were a bunch of jerks. Yeah. Old man yells a cloud, effectively, which it was just, you know, listen, as a grumpy individual myself, I can appreciate it on some levels. But at the same time, it's like, while I do detest fun. I don't really need to go out of my way to find fun to detest. There's plenty of it around me that I can hate on. It's fine. Uh, so the end result, yes. They ended up, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes response, you know, other than making the meme, the old man yells at cloud using that meme on Twitter. Uh, they also did troll him by actually making a shirt that says bunch of jerks with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes logo on it. Which they're selling. Like Which you can selling. buy a bunch of jerks shirt. We're not $30. I would literally buy this because it is like, it's on brand for me. Yeah. Bunch of jerks. Like, oh, I mean, for sure. You know what? If I was actually attending a game in Carolina, I'd probably pay the $30 to buy it. It's yeah. the, the shipping that's really the detriment here or in the possibility of paying duty coming over the it border. It is a bit of an issue, yes. But it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a fun little story. So we wanted to start off with a little bit of a lighthearted tale. Now, the Carolina Hurricanes thing is a perfect transition into the Alliance of American Football Story of the Week, which took on a couple of turns. So as I when I mentioned that YouTube channel, I do discuss this in two separate videos where I kind of talk through that a little bit. But for now, I'll give you kind of the high-level view of what happened and how it kind of developed. So initially, The Athletic released an article which, in which they outlined that the Alliance of American Football had come to an agreement with Tom Dundon. The owner of the Carolina the Hurricanes. The owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, so that's how we transitioned from one to the other. So they had come to an agreement where he would provide the league with $250 million in capital. Now, I'm making clear that, that I'm putting this kind of in quotation marks because I'll clarify a little bit because more information came out giving more clarity on this later. $250 million in capital. Now, the main crux of the athletic article was that they were in danger of missing payroll. Basically, there were concerns that they were running out of money effectively, which, of course, is, you know, very concerning, especially for an upstart league. And then I have some more thoughts about that in a second. But that was the initial reporting. Now, of course, the AF came out and basically said, no, it's an investment. 
But they didn't really deny that there was a potential issue of a payroll thing, but there was no reason given. Now, as the story went on a little bit more, more pieces started to come out. The next piece is a little bit of speculation, so I'm making that abundantly clear. The Orlando Sentinel had a conversation with Steve Spurrier, the coach of the Orlando Apollos, um, who, given his high profile in the league, probably is privy to a little bit of information. He's not just like a... The league owns all the teams. So, you know, he would be in a position to have a little bit of information. Again, speculation. He stated that... He believed, based on what he had been told, that there was an initial investor in the league who had effectively committed to funding a large chunk, if not all, of the early part of the first season. Basically, they were basically committing to enough money to support the league through its first season, and apparently they backed out or they didn't have the funds or whatever the case is. The person isn't named, so we don't know who it is, but at the same time, that would jive with the timing. Because you can think, going into week two, having a concern about payroll... If the money was committed and you thought you had it, and then suddenly you realize you didn't for whatever reason, either they pulled out or they just didn't have the money, that's a concern. And as a result, that would lead you to scramble, sort of, but you have also have to bear in mind, and this is the point I made in the first video where I talked about it initially. And again, if you're doing the YouTube channel, you probably saw it because that was, it, it, it took off a little bit from for us. The idea that you have um, a $250 million deal of any estimation you can't whip that together in a couple of minutes. There's there's no way, like, nobody would agree to sign off that much money for you. It just yeah. it wouldn't make any sense. Yep. At the same time, though, if you ran into that issue, it would also give you a little bit of urgency to really try to get a deal done. So, again, more information came out. They did, you know, as soon as Tom Dundon was named, people started to want to talk to Tom Dundon about this. So Which you get a little bit of clarification. Tom Dundon did did have a conversation with several different news outlets, and one of them is going to be in the show notes as well, where he d explains a little bit more how he came about it. So number one, he thought the league was being a little too aggressive at the outset. He wasn't particularly interested, but he was approached prior to launch. So he had already been... So there, the conversation, the dialogue had already been open. So it wasn't out of left field that he suddenly showed up and came in. So that was the first piece. The second piece is... Once he saw the reception of the early couple of weeks of the league, he was impressed. He liked what he saw, so he saw the potential in it, and he was appreciative that there appeared to be an audience, there appeared to be some interest. So that made him more interested. And then about the $250 million, he made clear that that's not... He's not going to give them $250 million all at once. The idea is that he is committing $250 million to ensure that they have sufficient liquidity for potentially years if they don't catch up financially right away. So what he's trying to do is he's offering stability. And then some subsequent interviews from Charlie Ebersole were explaining that they were treating themselves as a startup, which was one of the points I came across in the second video that I talked about, was that if you think about the league as a startup, suddenly things make more sense. If you think of a software startup, usually there's rounds of funding. You don't get all the money all at once because you have not proven anything. Yeah. It's a startup. Yeah. Well, a sports league is even a riskier startup because you are competing in a market where we don't even know if there's a market out there for it. One point that, uh, that a Reddit user somewhere made, and I feel very bad that I can't cite them because I don't remember where it was that I saw it. They uh, mentioned the phrase minimum viable product. Are you familiar with what a minimum viable no. product is? Let's so this is kind of a lean. This is kind of a lean startup concept. Okay. What it is basically is it, it's 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 kind of what it sounds like. Normally you do this in software. In a startup, basically you do instead of trying to put all the bells and whistles in there, trying to throw everything in, you develop the minimum product you can get away with that still functions, and you get it out to people. The idea being to get those early adopters on board to get them to look at it, because then you're going to find out one of two things: either everyone's going to say this sucks, we don't want it, go away. In which case, well, then you haven't, you've invested a minimum amount of time and a minimum amount of effort. You can kind of cut bait and walk away. 
Well, if you think about it in the AF example, imagine if first week had gone absolutely terrible. What if nobody had watched? What if they had, what if the five people showed up? Well, then at that point, if you are not, if you haven't invested all your resources and time and energy and everything, think of the rollout, the way the league started. They kept the hype kind of under control. It was to the minimum. The social media aspect was built up, but not as well as it could have been. The website existed, but it didn't have all the features you expected it to have. The app was there, but most of the things led to the website. That's a minimum viable product move. It's to keep the feature set minimal because we're not going to hire 50 developers to try to build this amazing app that's game-changing and game-breaking where we don't even know if the thing's going to work. Which makes perfect sense, yeah. right, for, for this league and, yeah. and what they're trying to do and yeah. where they're trying to go with things. Yeah. So in effect, it's, it's not directly, but in effect, it was almost an audition. It was kind of like, keep the costs under control. Keep them to a minimum. Don't put too much into it right off the bat. Don't get all the logistics. The criticisms we had about the logistics suddenly make more sense in this context. They had some money, but they didn't have so much that they thought, oh, we'll just throw everything, all the resources into it. Well, what if you know, the money runs out and we don't have a backup plan and there's no other investor ready to go and it doesn't even take off right away? In a way, it kind of worked out, but where they were, unfortunately, their lack of logistics hurt them is that they weren't able to get out the investment side of the story early. And if they had gotten that narrative out first, I think it would have helped them because then they wouldn't have been stuck with uh, kind of the, Atla- uh, the athletics angle, which they're not wrong. They, talk, they spoke to people and there were concerns about meeting payroll, but that's consistent with being short on funds because of an unexpected you know, shortage. Yeah. Now, Tom Dundon coming in, in the long run, may very well be a huge positive for the league. Because if he's a believer and he's invested enough money where now they don't have to worry about being short on funds, $250 million is well in excess of what they will need to make payroll for the entire rest of the year. For everything. And you also think if you get well-respected people investing money and seeing a return on their investment that they're happy with, the chances are that you're going to get more people who want to be part of it go up. Yeah. And the other uh, aspect that was brought up in the Tom Dundon uh, interview, so to speak, was that part of the reason he selected such a large sum of money is that he kind of wanted to stop the rounds of financing. He basically said, what if I just offer you enough money where you don't have to go through round three, round four, round five of financing? What if I just offer this much so that right now you don't have to worry about it? There's more financing needed later, so be it. You know, we can work that out or we can get somebody else on board. But I'm basically offering to subsidize the entire league for a period of time, potentially into season two or season three. And you know you're going to remain viable for at least the end of this year. Well, that stabilizes everything for everybody else. It means the players don't have to worry about that. That's good. It means the teams and the staffs and all that know that they are good. They expect to be here for the, for, until through the end of the season and into next year. And it also kind of solidifies things for the NFL and those guys. It gives them a full season to complete their audition because they're already on NFL Network. If NFL, If the NFL looks at it and goes, all right, this is a viable development lead for us. And they basically give them, you know, the, the acquiescing, the blessing. the blessing. If the blessing comes from the NFL, that's a big advantage over the XFL right now. No, for because sure. right now the XFL has nothing established yet. They've got, they have Vince McMahon. Let's be real. They have Vince McMahon. And, you know, I have my, my XFL Dallas mug, which was delivered. key things. Yeah, they key things. Uh, but that's all they got right now. Yeah. So that's a huge advantage right now. If they can get that blessing before that first season ends and they're in a position to be kind of the official development lead for the NFL, working in partnership, that's a good friend to have. Absolutely. Because then you're then you're a very comfortable spot. And also, just realistically, as a player, if I want to make the NFL, am I going to go to a random league where maybe it'll matter, maybe it won't, or do I go to the league that's already been blessed by the NFL anyway? Where they, I know they're looking at them. And especially, especially if, you know, we see a bunch of these guys from the AAF in NFL training camps, 
right, in, in July, August, and they're there, and they make the team, mm-hmm. that even solidifies the league even more as well. Yeah, it just right? means we the need ex- to see that development and that conduit to the NFL. It means the XFL is going to have a tough time getting a pool of players. So, like I said, this could potentially be a big boon for the Alliance of American Football for no other reason than if they end up positioning themselves well as, you know, a friend of the NFL and a close connection, players are going to gravitate to it for nothing oh. else than, hey, you know what? The NFL will at least look at me here. For sure. I mean, if the XFL can pay, then they're going to get players. The question, again, as we talked about this in the beginning, is what are the quality of those players going to be? Yeah. And are, gonna, are they going to be any good? And it's also going to be hard to get partnerships and to get, on t- and to get a good television deal and all that stuff if, like, well... CBS is already working with these guys. The NFL is already working with these guys. They've already got that. It's like, sure, but who are you going to get and what are you going to be able to offer? Well, and you look at it like the other networks, right? Fox is aligned with the NFL. They carry the NFL. Yeah. NBC carries the NFL. Yeah. ABC is owned by Disney, which also owns ESPN, which is affiliated with the X. I'm sorry, with the NFL. Mm-hmm. So where's the XFL? It's not like, oh, here's this channel that exists that doesn't have any football. That's like, hey, come on, XFL. Yeah, right? it's going to be hard to draw viewership then. Also, if you try to do do it from that angle, so it's going to be interesting you're gonna to be see- on the WWE network and nothing else. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, obviously, everything is still in. Everything is still out there. Everything's still happening, and there's a lot of possibilities. We'll we'll see kind of how that one works out. So that was the big AAF story of the week and obviously the different development components of it again if something like that happens again or there's a similar story to it i'll probably do the same thing i'll create uh i can always create a separate video i can fire up the camera and talk about what we know at that time and we'll try to throw that on the youtube channel i'm not going to flood the podcast feed i kind of want to keep that separate but if there's something interesting or you know whatever we may throw something out there but it's going to be a scheduling thing the youtube channel makes it a lot easier on the fly to be able to turn on and create and creates an explain and create a bit of an outlet. So that's kind of a good place. It's nice to have both places if you're interested in that kind of content. The next thing we'll do is still football related, but on uh, we're going to go back to the NFL. Um, this next story basically involved me cackling for about two and a half minutes. I'm going to be completely honest with you. What do you know about Robert Kraft and prostitutes, Dave? I know that he uh, was caught up in a well, actually, I shouldn't say prostitutes. That's not fair. Escort? It was a prostitution ring, basically a bus, where Robert Kraft has been accused of partaking in services at a masseuse parlor would be the best way I could summarize no, it. I feel that's a fair explanation of it. Um, so here's my thing on this. One, on the on the grand scheme of thing, like in the whole, I don't really care. No. Because the guy's in his 70s. Yeah. Okay. He, his wife is passed away. Yes. So it's not like he's cheating on anybody by doing this. So mm-hmm. if the man wants to get a prostitute, that's fine. Like, I don't care. I do have a slight issue with, you know, the illegality of it. And, well, and but, that but kind the of thing, but the thing is, he does right? have a girl, he does have a girlfriend who's almost, who's 30 years younger than him. Okay. So that I didn't know. So there's a, that is a potential issue. That I mean, was, I don't know. It was you don't know. Creepy old man. I don't know. Well, for sure. But you don't know what their relationship is and whether it's an open relationship. Well, that, that's why we didn't lead with it. Here's the thing. This story is more salacious. It's more me. It's more me cackling because it's, of course it's the Patriots. Of course it's another thing. And the thing is Robert Kraft up until this point, it kind of kept himself. And as he's a squeaky clean one compared to Belichick and, compar- and Brady. Comparatively, yes. And as the self appointed patron saint of shadiness, because I do enjoy, uh, you know, the shadiness. I've never knocked Bill Belichick for cheating because, frankly, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I don't care. I'm fine with it. Um, you know, and you have to work with what you have when you have an average quarterback. But the thing is, that's uh, you know my my unprovoked Tom Brady shot of the day. Yep. There's uh, going to be some comments about that one again. I'm, 
you know, listen, if you, if you like an average, go watch his, uh, go watch his tape from the combine. You know, the great athletic ability. Uh, he, he, he did great for a 40-year-old man. Anyway, so you got to do what you got to do. I'm not going to fault you for it. But at the same time, it's like, dude. You, you're, you've, you've already got like a spotlight on you. If you're Robert Kraft and you're owner of the New England Patriots and you just won the Super Bowl, you've got all this spotlight on you. You got to be careful where you go and what you do. A little yeah, bit. That's pretty much my like. That's pretty much my reaction. It's like, come on, man. But at yeah. the same time, like, this isn't that huge of a story. No, I don't think it doesn't warrant. It, like to be honest, right? The worst he's going to get out of it is probably community service. Yes, and probably a fine of some kind. The NFL may then. Do their own discipline with, mm-hmm. with a fine of some kind, but he's and worth it's not five, like he can't pay the fine. He's worth five billion dollars. I'm sure he'll manage. It doesn't warrant any more conversation than that, but we did need to bring it up because it was a story at the end of the week. So it was a thing that happened. So there that, you go. I, that was like the icing on the cake to say, what the hell is going on this week, man? This week has been bizarre. It's been so much. One other point that I'll make, and I think it's hopefully it's clear from the from the title of the podcast. Our main focus was, and I believe still will be our, our continued uh, 2019 MLB preview but there was a lot going on this news and notes one is going to be an epic one for us so we talked about the AF we talked about you know an old man who needed some company apparently but let's uh let's go back a little bit and let's talk about a more positive story a little bit here before we get to the baseball thing which will transition us well into the season preview Congratulations to Alexander Ovechkin, who reached the 40-goal plateau for the 10th time in his career, which ties him with some pretty good company. Are you aware who else has done 40 goals for 10 seasons Let in their guess. career? Wayne Gretzky. That's one. Uh, Mario Lemieux. Yes. And... Uh, the last one's a tough one. Marcel Dion. Yeah, did you see this? Yeah, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> it's right on the screen. He read it, uh, he read it in our notes. Cheater. It's okay. Your, uh, your spot on the New England Patriots is assured. Good job. Anyway, but yes, only four players in, in NHL history have done it. Uh, Gretzky has done it 12 times, but that is elite company. Uh, and Marcel Dion was a great goal scorer in his day, so that is truly elite company. It's very impressive. And he did score his 650th goal this week as well. Given that I believe he's 33, very impressive. He still has an outside... Like, it's, it's going to be very difficult. It's like a very outside chance. Well, 700 goals, I think... He's comfortably going to get there. I think that's okay. I think he's got a good shot at 800. If he can get to 800 fast enough, really what it comes down to is while he's at his goal-scoring peak, which I believe he still is a little bit. He's at the tail end of it, but he's still in it. The faster he can get to 800, the better the chance is, and also it's going to depend on whether he's comfortable playing into his 40s because you're pretty much going to have to. That's the only way to score enough goals. But if you can get to 800 fast enough, you give yourself an outside shot. And it'll be probably the last time in our lifetime that we're going to see anybody with a realistic chance. The only other guy who had a real chance was Yager, and he took too many seasons off. Too many times back to Europe, and then didn't really play as hard as he could on a couple of his stops. Like, if he had been as dedicated earlier in his career that he was late in his career, he'd have over 900 goals, and he'd he'd be the guy. But it is is interesting, especially when you can see somebody making history. So that's always good. So congrats to you, Ovi. Yep, congrats. Now, we'll get into back into baseball. Uh, This week's Bryce Harper update, nothing's happened. Uh, there are rumors, though. There, there are lots of rumors. The, the, I, I think uh, again, I'm still, I'm still really pushing hard for for the carp to get them. Hey, you know, it's still possible. Yeah, if like, like I said, if they offer billions of yen, if he doesn't understand that yen and dollars don't equate, th- this could be this could be a done deal very quickly. But um, I think the most recent one is I think the Phillies yeah. are the ones who are still the, the Phillies front are the are the the big rumor right now. Yeah, but and, no signature, so who knows. It just depends on, you know, in reality, at this point, it's just Bryce Harper kind of trying to hold out for every last dollar, which I don't blame him for, but it's, 
let me ask you a legitimate question. Right. Let's let's bring this into a bigger conversation because this relates here. The Bryce Harper information really relates to the Manny Machado signing. Ten years, three hundred million for the Padres. For the Padres, so that's the biggest contract on a per year basis in baseball history. Not the biggest in terms of total dollars because the Giancarlo Stanton one was more, but it was thirteen years instead of ten. So, but on a per season basis, thirty million per year. We're going to talk about uh, you know that more as the season goes on. But he, let's put it this way: for three hundred million dollars, I would rather have Manny Machado because I think he brings more to the table. Yeah, which I think, I think we brought up. But I think the other thing too is. Like the the Machado thing puts it, it it's got to all be about the money. Because mm-hmm. if it isn't all about the money, then you're not going to the Padres, right? Mm-hmm. Like, does this make that does that signing make the Padres better? Yeah, absolutely. Does it mean they're going to win this year? Nope. No. Maybe they go from like fifth place and maybe they jump the Giants now. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They're not going to be better than the Dodgers and the Rockies. More than likely not. The thing, though, is that neither one of those players was going to make that much of a difference. It wasn't going to move the... It's going to help, but my, my point was, and we've made this point already, and we're not going to beat it in the ground, but it me, these players, you're paying all that money to get a guy who, if you're one big hitter away from being a contender or one big hitter away from being a World Series you know, participant so that or champion... person going to put you over the top. You, yeah, if you've already got a very good team, a solid rotation, you've got other people in the lineup who can produce, Great. But then I'm also thinking, what are they offering? I'm still stuck on, even if it's a 40 home run, 100 RBI guy who can hit 300, which I'm not being guaranteed by either one of those guys. They're capable, but I'm not. It's not a guarantee. No, for sure not. It's not a guarantee. So what? If I can, if I can pay two guys 10 million to produce me 20 home runs each, don't I end up in the same place? Like if 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 that's all we're really talking about, the 30 million is a waste of money. I don't understand. And I actually was listening to uh, one of the Ringer podcasts, the Ringer MLB podcast. Yep. And the thing was, they were, they're still making the argument. It's like, oh, well, you know, these, these teams aren't. It's like, as a fan, just putting this in this perspective, as a fan, I don't care if my team spends a dollar on the players. I don't care if they pay the minimum wage. I don't care if they pay them a billion dollars per player. It makes zero difference to me. What I'm looking for is, is the team capable of playing well? Do they win? Is it entertaining? Those are the three components that I, as a fan, care about. Or you also, I think you, as a fan, you want, if you know your team sucks. So if you're a San Diego Padres fan, like, I mean, as a fan of the San Diego Padres for something like this, and it could be another team, like, when they get Bryce Harper, depending on which team it is, do I have something to look forward to in my team, right? Is there a potential that we are going to make improvement? Are we going to get better? As opposed to, we've sucked for years, and we're probably going to suck this year, and we're probably going to suck next year, and, you know, you become comfortable with the mediocrity that's fair i think the problem is that um and this will be a conversation for another day i would argue that the that the toronto blue jays have been mediocre for most of their history i don't, I don't think i don't really think that's an argument yeah. i'm pretty sure that like to me that's fact it's mathematical but it, it's it's math it's something that i brought that i've brought up to people in the past and they were like no but because they're thinking about the window when they were good and if you actually look at the window it's a lot smaller than they think about and the team has been around for more than 40 years for comfortably more than 30 out of those 40 years They've been terrible to mediocre. And that's actually fairly normal if you look in the history of baseball. Even the greatest teams of all time. Again, this will be a a longer conversation we'll have another day. I can point to you and look at the New York Yankees as the, you know, the high watermark of success. If you really look at Yankee history, they got good in the 1920s, stayed good through 
not even the mid 60s i can't even say i'll say about 63 64 is when they t- the mantle yankees topped out they were mediocre through the rest of the 60s into the 70s they didn't get good again until basically the mid to late 70s when the reggie jackson teams won but then you have that gap there and then they didn't win another world series again even though they were still good and during the 80s they had star players they had all that they didn't play to a level to get back to the world series until 1996 1978, 1996. So you, you think of 27 championships. Here's the problem. Seven of those championships came after 1962 or 1963. Do the math. That's seven championships in almost 60 years. Does that seem dominant to you? Well, not really. No. If you compare it to other teams, it, sure, fair enough. Sure. But, uh, right? but, that's, but that's the thing. Like, you know, not every team is obviously going to win it every year. So if you're... Baseball I don't know. If I'm Machado or Harper, I want to go to somewhere that can give me a chance to win, I right? It. But again, it seems to me like Machado, I don't like to hustle, is just going to, you know, live that California lifestyle, Southern California lifestyle. That might be it. I get he it. just wants to be, he's going to bash a couple homers and then go surfing. That's that's what this is about. Dave, I, I want to make $30 million, live on the beach and live my best life. Why, can, why, why are you hating on this? I'm not hating on it in general. I'm hating on it. No, I'm it saying as, I want these things. I'm speaking <laughs> as if I was a San Diego Padres fan. And I'm speaking as Carlos. I want these things. Well, you know, find someone <laughs> to pay you $30 million a year. That's what I really need. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm not. I, I can't. I can't knock Manny Machado for accepting it. And uh, at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. It is what it is. Um, as long as you're happy with it, I think that's good. And I think Bryce Harper will land with the team. But I, I feel like at this point, he's going to land with the Phillies or whoever, and it's going to be 10 years, $301 million. It's going to be something stupid. It's like, Yeah, I can why? see that, right? Because now that you know Machado signed for $300 million, yeah. but Harper's not taking less. Sure, I get it. But it's, but it's one of those things, like if you're the Phillies and those teams are like, dude, really, what do you want? It's like I understand that you want you know huge monster money, but it's, there's no market for it. Who, who are we competing against? This is the A-Rod negotiation all over again. He went from 252, I want to say, to 275, and there was nobody else offering. Just because the owners and the other angle of it, again, I won't extend this conversation any longer now than it has to be, but the short version of it is for me. I don't care if the players make money. I also don't care if they don't make money. And I don't care if the owners make money. And I also don't care if they don't. The reason why I can say that is because it doesn't help or affect me in any way. If the team's good, awesome. That's what I want to see. If I'm entertained, awesome. That's what I want to see. But the reality of it is if the owners don't pay the players, my ticket price isn't going down. And if the owner makes tons of money, my ticket price isn't going down. There's absolutely nothing as a consumer I benefit in no way whether they make money or not. So these two sides are trying to play off each other and saying, oh, they're greedy. It's like you're both greedy and I don't care. Good for you. Millionaires versus billionaires. Yeah. So it's like, it's this isn't really an argument that either one of them is going to win with me or, or a lot of other fans. And that's kind of why Major League Baseball, I still watch it. My passion for baseball hasn't gone anywhere. My passion for Major League Baseball has taken huge hits over the last couple of years because it's like, there's only so much of these guys that I can take. So that's my that's my my two cents on that element of it. So that's the Manny Machado signing and then the Bryce Harper update. Again, nothing has happened. Stuff may happen. If it happens, we'll update on that. I think those are the main ones. I guess as far as news and notes is concerned, originally we were going to give a couple of minutes to the NBA All-Star Saturday Night. We watched it. It happened. I don't even remember who won. Yeah. The dunk contest, I don't remember. And uh, the three-point contest was, um, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. But I did enjoy watching it. Yes. But that's that's what happens with this week, right? You're all about, hey, we're going to talk about this, and then so much else happens, you're like... What was that again? But let's not bury the lead. There was one occurrence that did occur during that. As we participated in the hashtag multi-screen life, there was one important element that did occur that we have to, we have to kind of, come on. I called the airplane. 
It's true. The, air, the airplane was mine. You did call the airplane. You I called got it. Now, you called him jumping out of the airplane into the stadium. Listen, we got to work but, our way up to it. We got to start somewhere. A man jumps over a model airplane and then eventually jumps out of an airplane. It's, but it's, to, it's, to it's be a fair, you were talking about the airplane before it came on, before any seconds. of the Tuskegee Airmen, like two seconds, and then it was like, bam, they're on. I was like, nice foreshadowing. That's uh, that's literary foreshadowing for you. All right. So as far as news and notes is concerned, I know that was a lengthy version of news and notes. Our apologies, but there was a lot to talk about. <laughs> we 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 ended up giving the NBA Saturday night like forty five seconds. That's how much was going on. I think now we're going to get into our preview of the NL Central this week. Let's yeah. So see. this one is was sort of difficult in the sense that not difficult to do a preview of, but difficult to pick one through five mm-hmm. because I think each of these teams has made significant moves. Each of these teams. I think has legit can think legitimately that they've got a shot, although I don't really think a couple of them do. But being forced to make predictions based on the moves they made, I have the Cardinals as number one. I still have the Brewers up there, so I have the Brewers as number two, the Cubs as number three, the Reds as four, and the Pirates as five. Thoughts on that, Carlos? I'm okay with it. I'm going to flip the Chicago and Milwaukee one. And the rationale for that is that I think Chicago basically is making its last stand with kind of the current crop. And Madden is basically on the hot seat. So there it's isn't... True. It is a lame duck year for him. Yeah, it's, it's a fa- he's in a position where he's got nothing to lose, realistically. He just doesn't have anything to lose. The rest of the positions don't aren't really going to move too much, in my opinion. So I'm just getting it all down here. So yeah, I've got St. Louis winning the division again. Uh, I do love, and we'll talk about the individual teams a little bit, but I do love some of the things they did, and we'll go team by team. I'm thinking Chicago will try to make one last stand. The only reason I knock Milwaukee down a little bit here is because my concern is, can they duplicate certain performances? We'll talk about more of that when we get to the specific team. Pittsburgh is solid. They're not amazing, but they're solid, which is enough. Like you're, I'm already knocking them down to fourth, so it's like it's not like the uh, they're plummeting here. They're the division's actually decent. There's some horrible divisions in in Major League Baseball. This one's not terrible. When the fourth place team was over 500, the predicted fourth place team here was over 500. Yeah. Last year. No, I think I think if if you're just sort of a a random fan of the game, then you're looking for games to watch. Watch this, like watch the division games here, because I think you're going to see some great baseball. Yeah, I think uh, this year my concerted effort is uh, my commitment because I did. I actually got the notification that the MLB.tv you know renewal has come up for for this year, and I've had it for years now. I can't even remember when I originally got it. It was early on. Um, by the way, uh, as part of the history lesson as well, do you know what the original? I want to say what the original, not platform, but the original way that you would watch the streaming baseball games. And we're talking early days of MLB.tv, the early version. I don't even think it was called MLB.tv. You had to use the real the real audio player. So that that's how far back uh, it goes. Yes. Because I, I remember, remember I remember actually watching games on that thing. It wasn't a terrible it wasn't a terrible program, but it, it's antiquated by today's thing, by today's standards. My goodness, and I watched it on that thing, and uh, that was interesting. That was those were interesting days. You you can Google that one, uh, kids, if you want. All right. So let's go through team by team now. Which one do you want to start with? We're here? gonna obviously start with the Cincinnati Reds. Sure. Because right. Puig. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Cuban P.K. Subban, of course. So, I think that's the biggest thing that happened to them this year. I mean, Cincinnati, I feel, is a team that's still in transition. Hold on, before you continue, there's one important thing about the Cincinnati Reds we must make sure to include, because I actually think it's real, as a historian of the game, we must include it. This is the 150th anniversary of the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, that is true. Going back to the Cincinnati Reds stockings, who were 67-0. and 0. Shout out to anyone who remembers that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's nobody alive who remembers that. 
Hey, listen, you do what you can. But they are also the oldest team in professional baseball. That is correct. And uh, one note made on the on our lovely season preview magazine, you know, going old school on it, was that last year's Cincinnati Reds team also won 67 games. The problem is they also lost 95 because they played 95 more games. So they had the same amount of wins as the Cincinnati Red Stockings. The problem was the loss column. Hey, got to start somewhere. Hey, do what you so can. So I think this is going to be a good year in the sense like a, a good uh, a year of good feels for mm-hmm. Cincinnati. I don't think it's going to be a year of wins for Cincinnati. Are you saying that only because of the Yasso Puig thing, or is there actually like... No, I think, well, you have the 100th, anytime you have an anniversary, sure. there's like good feeling around that. So you've got that. You've made some moves, which is good. You have a new manager in David Bell, yep. which, I mean, we'll see. You never know, right? Uh, and then, you know, you have like, you got Joey Votto, who's yep. solid. Right? He's going we'll to rebound. He's gonna have to rebound a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he had kind of an offseason last year, and the team wasn't very good. So I'm not going to pin it on Joey Votto, but he is going to have to But it's not like Joey, it's not like he had like a horrible, horrible, crappy year. I mean, he's still a solid player. I think he hit 284, which is yeah, still right. decent. Right? It's decent. So I expect that Joey Votto is going to be Joey Votto this year. Sure. Right? I expect Yasiel, but I also expect Yasiel Puig to be Yasiel Puig, which means... 20 home runs and 300 strikeouts? Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, you're going to see some amazing, amazing outfield play. And you're going to see some what-the-hell-was-that outfield play. Listen, if I need to see some home runs, a, a low, relatively low average, and a lot of strikeouts... Bryce Harper? I miss Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn was gold. He could barely hit his weight. I don't think he did hit his weight. I think he hit under his weight. But he hit 40 home runs. He hit 40 bombs a year. It was just hilarious. And he almost never walked. He basically would hit a bomb or strike out. So, it was fun. Let's see what the, scenery cha- the change of scenery does for Puig. Uh, they have some decent pitching talent. I say decent. Tanner Rourke, Anthony Discaflani. Uh, the other thing that I'm that I'm I'm looking forward to or watching as a player is uh, Eugenio Suarez, hmm. and he's a he was great baseman. last year. I think. Yeah, and he and the, and the key stat that I want to put out here, something for him is he only had on of, of his hits when he made contact eight eight point four percent were soft contact. You pulled that right from the column. I totally did, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like that that kind of stat though means this guy can hit the ball. Yeah. No, no, they, I, think, I think he had a phenomenal season. Like, I don't have the stats in front of me here looking at this one. Um, I can open it up, but I'm not going to for this one. The, the problem that I have with the Cincinnati Reds is that I think there's some interest, like, to your point, I'm going to watch them because I'm interested in seeing. I need to use my eye test on this one. I need to actually look at this team, see what they look like to me. Because now this is where I can, like, use the experience that I do have watching many, many baseball games and just try to evaluate in my mind do I see the potential here? This work, but I will say that Suarez showed huge potential given that he was probably the he was comfortably the offensive leader of that team last year. It wasn't a good team, but when you have somebody who was still able to hit well on a team that just isn't performing up to snuff and was able to maintain it more or less through the season, that's great. It gives you, but it also gives you now. Can you carry it over if the team improves a little bit? Can we keep those numbers up or even improve upon them? Because that'd be huge. Yeah. And so the way I see Cincinnati going is, I think they're going to be a better team than last year. Right. So I think they're going to win more than sixty. So they're they're going to lose ninety four. It's going to be huge. Quite possibly. Like they're going to they're an under five hundred team, but if you win a few more games, then maybe you're like, hey, we're moving in the right direction. Sure, that's fair. So any other thoughts on Cincinnati? That's all I got for Cincinnati. Okay, where do you want to go from Cincinnati? Uh, Let's go. Let's let's let's. I'm going to let you drive in this. In the National League, I'll let you drive Division. For the American League one, I'll I'll drive. Let's go to the Pirates then. All right, Pittsburgh Pirates. Because, okay. because there's some things here that, that interest me. Go on. For those of you who can't see, which is everyone, Carlos just put on a Pittsburgh Pirates hat. This is a retro Pittsburgh Pirates hat. This is the Roberto Clemente Pittsburgh Pirates, not the current version. 
So, big one here for me is Jung Ho Kang is back. And if you remember him, he was playing shortstop, third baseman, and he's Korean. He got us in legal troubles, which... Wait, you said he's Korean? Yeah. Does that mean that your, uh, your buddy from school loves him? Yes. Good. Just, just thought I'd clarify that. Go on. So, he got into some legal troubles, right? He had some a DUI. Like conventional legal career. troubles or Robert Kraft legal troubles? Conventional legal troubles. Go on. Uh, but also required him going back to Korea, so he didn't play last year. That is going to be interesting because he's going to be in a battle at third base with Colin Moran, which, I, you know, I see as like, if it helps Pittsburgh, right, then it, I think it can really help Pittsburgh. But I also think it could potentially be a huge distraction. Sure. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, they have some, you know, other good play- They have... Two closers, really, in Felipe Vasquez and Keona Kella. So that's good, mm-hmm. right? Anytime you have solid bullpen depth, that's a good thing. Yep. They're starting pitching, I think, is full of some question marks. They got Chris Archer. Yep. So let's see. I mean, I was going to mention. I was going to mention Chris Archer because if he gets back to his old form from Tampa Bay, that's a good starter right there. That's that's something you can build off of if he can come back to his potential ability. I don't have too much more to add as far as Pittsburgh is concerned. A lot of it really comes down to question marks on the rotation. Yeah, Francisco and, Liriano, yeah. who may wind up in the bullpen. Yeah, I think I think the other aspect of it is can Pittsburgh, and this is important for them, they were about 500 last year, which isn't bad. You know, anytime you're hovering around 500 with the hope of improvement, that's a step in the right direction because it means you weren't terrible. But if Chris Archer can play better, that's encouraging. The other thing, though, is they're going to have to earn the trust back of the fans because they dropped almost 500,000 in attendance. In one year. That's a massive drop. Because they traded away McCutcheon, who was an extremely popular player, the 2013 NL MVP. It doesn't look good. And I also they think that they traded away, I think it was Cole Garrett, I think as well. So when you're trading away a good starting pitcher and you're trading away your former MVP, now you can argue that he's maybe not as good as he was, but he's still a good player and people still want him. There's interest. The reality is, though, as a fan, you know, you have to bear in mind the Pittsburgh Pirates were a team that had the longest playoff drought. Like, they literally hadn't been in the playoffs. So I think they broke it in 2014 or 2015. I forget when about, but it was right in that area. And they hadn't been to the playoffs since Barry Bonds was on the team, which goes back to 92, 93. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> like that's, that's awful. And the reality is when you, when you go that long without even a single playoff game, and then you go to the playoffs in back-to-back years, but then almost immediately you're struggling again, that, no. That's not great. And you know what? Here's the other thing. Like, I've been to the Pittsburgh Stadium, right? I've been to that area around there. Like, what they've done with it, it's beautiful. It's a great place to go. It's a great place to hang out. If the weather's nice, like, I, if I was around the Pittsburgh area, now you could say, why, right, it's Pittsburgh. So, but if I was around the Pittsburgh area, there's no place I would rather be than at that ballpark in terms of atmosphere. But if they're going to put a crappy product on the field year after year after year after year, like, you're just wasting an opportunity that you have. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that have really nice stadiums where they go through the trouble of building up these beautiful amenities, but then the on-field product doesn't match up. Well, the, the, the park the park is not new anymore. It's still nice. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is you can only sell. Selling people on the park means that you're going to get me to look at it once. Well, yeah. It's like, hey, we got this great thing, but we have this really mediocre baseball team. Right? Yeah. Well, I, well, then I'd rather. You know what I mean? If I'm going to watch mediocre baseball, I'd rather watch a AAA game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, um, but any team where you're looking at, like, who are your name guys? Like, your name guys. And you're like, okay, well, we've got Eric Gonzalez, Jordan Lyles, and Lonnie Chisenhall. Are you not excited about Lonnie Chisenhall? Huh? That's what I say to that. 
Are you, you know what I mean? If that's your selling would you, point. Would you be more excited if I told you that Pittsburgh is rich man's Hamilton? No, because I'd rather just go to the Grey Cup in 2021 and skip out on this Pittsburgh season. Would it excite you if I told you they can recreate the ruins but make them slightly nicer amenities? Maybe. I'm just, listen. There's it's, a little bit of possibility there, but. I, I, I'm bookmarking it nicely with our Grey Cup, you know, start off. You know, it brings, hey. we brought it back. We brought back Pittsburgh. But you know what? Like, honestly, like, if I'm in Pittsburgh, I'm like, I wish the Steelers played in the summer. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now are, n- they're not a bad team. Not a bad team, but since the last Super Bowl, they've, they've lost Le'Veon Bell and probably Antonio Brown. No. Like that, and, and Ben Roethlisberger is a dumpster fire. No, I know. And I say that slightly facetiously, but I, I and I do think Pittsburgh is going to be better. Right, but I just—I sorry, the Pirates are. Gonna be better. <laughs> I was gonna say, I do think the Pirates are gonna be better. Yeah, but I'm not super, super excited. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where if you're trying to sell the team, right? Yeah. Who who are you using to sell it? And I'm gonna take that and translate that into the Cardinals. Is where we're going next. Okay. So. And the Cardinals that. have me actually really excited. I don't like the Cardinals because they continually beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. I like and the, I they like kind of the have that stuck-up attitude, but I, like, I respect I, them. I like the Cardinals as a historical franchise because I respect them as a historical franchise because they've managed to somehow, again, if you take the baseball historian view, the Cardinals have been surprisingly resilient and surprisingly decent over the years. They've never they've had periods where they weren't great, but for the most part, they've been respectable to very good for decades. And it's it's actually kind of ridiculous considering where they are considering the size of market they are that they've even been able to maintain a certain base level of decentness year in and year out for a really long period of time so you kind of have to respect that no for sure and they made moves yeah right so the big one being they got paul goldschmidt from arizona which i'm excited about that's that's huge i think that's a good one not and i mean he didn't really cost them very much no and the guy not only can the guy hit I mean, yeah, he plays first, but he's a great defensive first baseman. Yeah, that's why I say like so when we were talking when we were talking about that Bryce Harper Manny Machado thing, I understood what they. I understand the youth of the players. I understand the potential. I understand things like that. But when you can get a Paul Goldsmith for pennies on the dollar, relatively, where he is a known quantity, I know more or less what I'm getting with a Paul Goldsmith. To me, I'd rather have Paul Goldsmith and be able to get another player. For this, for equivalent dollars, just think about that from a flexibility standpoint. What if you could get a number four starter who's decent, and Paul Goldsmith? That's a better use of thirty million dollars to me no. as a baseball team. I think I, as a team, yeah. Like if you're the front office, yeah, that's what you should be going for. And they may, you know, you add that to let's say somebody like Andrew Miller, who also hardly costs anything. Now, and granted, he needs to be healthy because he's had within the last year he's had knee surgery, shoulder surgery, hamstring injuries. Like, all this kind of stuff. So if he's healthy, now he's 33, yep. right? But from 2014 to 2017, so not including the 28 last season, he had a 1.72 ERA, 14.5 strikeouts per nine innings, and 2.3 walks. I think, so the guy was a stud. I think, the, I think the thing is, though, and this is why I say I give a lot of props to St. Louis, a lot of these guys are coming up on the end of their contracts. So it's a case of... If you like, you know, it almost goes back to that startup conversation we had earlier. If you like what you see, you can start resigning people and retaining them. If you don't like what you see, blow it up. You don't, you don't actually have to go out of your way to blow it up. In a lot of cases, it's like, hey, thanks for coming out. You know, good luck to you in your next future endeavors. And then go get somebody else. Yeah, and that, but that goes back to your point that we, the beginning of this one was the Cardinals don't seem like a team that's, I, like, when was the last time they had to blow it up? Yeah. Right? They seem to just 
casually transition. They may not have a team, you know, they'll have some years where they're not in the playoffs, but they're never like garbage. But just think of what they did years ago, and this is, it's been years now. They let Albert Pujols go. Now he went to go to the big money contract, and I love Albert Pujols. They went and they left him, and I think he left the Cardinals at age 30. Since then, I think he's made one All-Star game. Like, Albert Pujols was still a very good... Albert Pujols was right at near the top of his game when he left St. Louis. And he's had some good seasons since then. The, uh, the St. Louis Albert Pujols blows the Anaheim one out of the water. No, it's they been walked a, pr- away a pretty a gradual drop-off. And but the thing is, the, the St. Louis basically, in effect, cut bait at the perfect time. Yes. Like, they literally walked away, and, and, and it wasn't hard feelings, it wasn't anything, it was just, you it's want business. this much money, go get it, you know, we, we support you, go for it, we're going to go a different way. And they did not offer him the mega money deal, and I think St. Louis is still in a good spot, where they're still respectable, they're, they're still Well, they're decent. better off for not giving him the big money yeah. deal. Because at this point, Albert Pujols, as much as the fans would love him, if he had stuck around, whatever, his co- current contract would be an albatross for St. Louis, and you, you don't want it. And it's a shame that he couldn't play his whole career in St. Louis, but... The years that he was there, they won two World Series. There's nothing bad here. It's, it's all good. Yeah. And, and you know, they still got Yaddy and Melina. Yeah. So, I, you know, with the moves they've made, plus the people they already have, I'm, I'm high on St. Louis. Yeah. I right? Think, I think, as we talked earlier about, you know, getting that piece that puts you over, mm-hmm. I think it's Paul Goldschmidt that takes you to first place. I think it's very possible. I think uh, that's – so that's why I think it's going to be very interesting. I think uh, – this team's particular, I'm going to be very keeping a close eye on, especially in this division. I'm very interested in seeing what happens. So now we've got a couple more options. Where do you want to go after this one? Well, let's go to the Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Milwaukee, go for it. So, I mean, I still like Milwaukee. I and, and this is and I, I have like them in a second, but it is going to take a lot of repeat performances for this team, right? So they made the NLCS last year where they lost the Dodgers. It was very exciting. It was. It was a great NLCS. Now, they've, they've done some things, so let's see. They still have Craig Council, who's their manager. I think he's a fantastic manager, does a good job. They still have their triple-headed beast in the, in the bullpen, if you want, with your, their three closers, if you will, with Josh Hader, Corey Neville, and Jeremy Jeffress. Did you say three-headed beast? I did. Okay. Oh, no, you said triple-headed beast. So not instead of three-headed monster? Whatever. Same okay. diff. Sure, go on. Okay. So, but anyway, but you know what? They have three people who could legitimately I get it. close I get it. in the bullpen. Sure. That they can, and several people who could pitch two innings at a time. Like, they have a good bullpen. Right. Now, the question is, how do you get to the bullpen? Right? So, they have Julius Chassin as their main starter. Then it's a whole... That I, is a I whole wish bunch it was, was Gustavo. I do, too. He had and every clone. time they just say Chassin, I think it's Gustavo's Chassin, and I get excited. And then... And then realize it's the other Chassin? Yes. And then I get to In fairness, though, this Chassin is better than Gustavo Chassin. As That's much as I enjoyed Gustavo Chassin, and I did enjoy the fake commercial for his cologne. Do you well, hear that? Yeah, and then they actually made the cologne. Yeah, though. they made the cologne, though, but the point, the point of the commercial was Chassin. Ooh, Chassin. The voices are what made it beautiful. Totally. Please go on. So, you know, the rotation is, is question marks. So rotation was question marks last year, and they yeah. got through it. That's right. I think at some point in time, I'm not maybe not this year, but I think at some point in time, that whole starter by committee thing is eventually going to catch up with the relievers. Yes and no. I agree. So we're, we're not going to divert too far into this. But really quickly, I think for the right team, if you commit to it, you can do it. But you're going to then have to set up your personnel for that to work. You have to have the right combination. Because it, it, let's put it this way. Baseball orthodoxy is kind of set at this point. I don't mind a little creativity. I don't mind experimentation. I, I try stuff because at this point, baseball has been around so long. 
Why not? I, I see no re- And there's some things that have fallen off the wayside. Like, I would like to see more knuckleballers in baseball. I would like this, like, you know, I want someone to bring back the, uh, you know, I always get the pronunciation wrong, but like the EFIS pitch. You know yeah. the one I'm talking about? Yep. Like the big floater up in the air. Here's the thing. It's a stupid pitch, but I don't care. I think if someone could master it and bring it, could you imagine how much it would mess mess up a hitter if you just randomly threw that out a couple of times a game? Oh, for if sure. If you could successfully hit it for a strike, it would mess with people. There are things that are in the history of baseball that are still within the rules. Why not? The only the only issue I have with it as a fan is that having a bunch of um, pitching changes is really annoying. And it goes back to that. Uh, it goes back to the. And this is where Major League Baseball is really looking at this the wrong way. We'll have another conversation about this during the season, but. In the long run, they're probably working their way towards another labor stoppage. But, you know, it's, it's potentially a couple of years away, but it's going to be because of those millionaires versus billionaires thing again when they're still not addressing the real problem. The real problem is, again, as a fan, I don't care which one of you gets the money. It makes no difference to me. I care about my ticket prices. I care about my entertainment product. But the entertainment product is getting hurt by your, by your greed. If I'm in the ballpark and I have paid money to go see the game, I don't want to see your commercials in the ballpark. And I understand you have to do the breaks in there to accommodate for television because the people on television in the age of social media, oh, but don't spoil me on it. I understand, but it's it's a problem. You know, if I'm sitting there going like, I'm literally watching you guys just throw the ball around, killing time until the commercial's over. That's a waste of time. That's a waste of my time. That's a waste of their time. And then on TV, I'm not benefiting from it anyway. So it's, so it's not like anything's... Do a picture in picture. Again, I'll rant about this more as we get into the season, but do a picture-in-picture, picture, put your stupid commercial in the bottom corner, and keep the game going. Like, like, don't stop it. The flow of the game, this is why they're kicking around that idea of putting the pitch clock and all that. It's, that's, it's not actually fixing the real problem. You can make it work, though, right? Like, there's, sure. there's, there's examples from other sports where, where it works. Like, the commercial bit. I think the, pro, I think the product, though, the actual product and the flow of the game is what's, going, is what's going to hurt in the long run. They're enjoying all that TV money and everything, but you're... You're already turning off some fans. You're not replenishing them in the numbers that you were before. In the long run, that's not going to be a sustainable model. No. It's just not entertaining. So back to Brewers, a yes. couple other things on that. So they've got I got Yaz Monty Grandal as yes. a catcher from the Dodgers. So he's got good power. Yeah. I expect him to hit some some home runs there. Uh, but you know, he set out a lot for the Dodgers. So I I don't view it as a huge loss for them. So we'll see how he plays there. Right? Isn't he in his mid thirties though? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not too worried about it. He, he, let's put it this way. Anything he does, I think is bonus. Yeah, I think, it's I not think a game changer by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. I, I think it's helpful. It's what, depth. What could potentially be a game changer, and not, I mean a huge game changer, but is Jimmy Nelson. Okay. So he missed the entire 2018 season, uh, projected to be in the rotation. In 2017, he pitched 175 in a third innings. So for a team that's you know doing the starter by committee thing where you're having – your starter come in for five innings if you're lucky, and then let's take it to the bullpen. Someone who's pitched that much, that's helpful, right? So if he can repeat that form, then I would expect that that's going to help Milwaukee's chances. Yep, I'm with you. So what I'll do is I'm just going to add in a couple of pieces related to that because my concern comes back to one of the things you said, which is can you get repeat performances? Christian Yelich was a MVP and triple crown candidate right up until the last day of the game of the season. Can you expect that? That seems like a lot. No, I would still expect him to be very good, though. 
I would think so. Uh, you know, the, another question will be if Ryan Braun can contribute at a decent level. You know, he's not, a, he, he's not what he once was, but if he can contribute at a decent level, I think that's going to be helpful. The other player who probably is really important for their future and the way that the season's going to go, you know, you're going to want production from Lorenzo Cain. Right at the top of the lineup, you know, he is a great hitter. He can run. He can steal bases. He can, he can play well. He can be a catalyst for you at the top of the lineup to potentially get you to Christian Yelich and give him those opportunities to drive in some runs and if he can continue down that pace. And if Ryan Braun can drive in some runs as well, that's going to help your offense. At the end of the day, you, you still need the balance. I really always favor a better pitching staff, but if you're going to do the by-committee thing, if you can generate enough runs, that that can be enough to offset and, ha- and uh, take care of some of the issues that you might encounter in other areas. My only concern with uh, Milwaukee, and the only reason I bumped them down a level, is I'm looking at somebody who literally had a career year went completely to another level that he's never been to. Now that can mean he's taken the quantum leap and now this is the new normal. Maybe not necessarily exactly those numbers, but if he's going to elevate himself to that level, that's huge for them. But if it's if it's a one season aberration, it just all came together for one year. You know, Norm Cash hit 368 one year. Go look that one up on baseball reference. He was a good player, but for one year, he hit 368. Other guys have done this in the past. Other guys have done this over multiple seasons. You go back and look at John Olerud, uh, you know, people around these parts remember John Olerud the season he won the batting title. But go and check out, again, baseball reference, go look up one of his years with the Mets, he hit over 350. So he didn't just do it once, but yeah. it's but it's it's hard if you have like that magical season to then replicate the magical season after that sometimes. Yeah, no, fair enough. So that takes us to the Cubs then. So you have him as number two, I have as number three. And let's see. So first of all, pitching is still good. You've got John Lester and you got Cole Hamels at the top of your rotation. I like that. And that's all. If, if those guys repeat their performances, stay where they've been statistically over their career, don't get injured, you're going to get a lot of production for both of those guys. Yeah. You got Hugh Darvish, who is Hugh Darvish. He's an X Factor. If, so, he, if he can pitch to his capability, he's an asset. Right. I do not trust him at all to pitch to his capability. That's fair. So we'll see. Uh, they didn't really add much this year. So, right, they didn't make any huge deals. Unless, of course, they signed Bryce Harper while this podcast is on air. But I doubt that. And they're still a solid team. Uh, The big question for me about Chicago is Chris Bryant. So he missed 50 games last year, right? For the Chicago to be the team that they can be, they need Chris Bryant healthy and they need him to produce. And if he could do that, right, with the other pieces and, and Joe Madden's managerial style, then... Sure. I'm just not convinced it's all going to come together this year. I think it's going to be interesting because to that point, you know, right now they're kind of... It's very interesting to me because after winning that World Series, the Chicago Cubs look like they were poised to be a little mini dynasty there. Like, they look, it felt like they had all the components to put together a sustained run of excellence. Like, they narrowly beat out... That Cleveland Indians team has to be kicking themselves. Because oh, the sure. Chicago Cubs basically disintegrated right after that World Series. And it's not that because they oh the te- they stripped the team out for parts. That isn't what happened. It's just injuries and things happened. The, the team didn't suddenly become worse. They didn't rip them apart. They just couldn't put together. And they were still they won 95 games last year. Like they're not a terrible team. No, not at all. On paper and uh you know they were able to win ball games. So 
but the potential dynasty has come down to, you know, do they have a last hurrah in them? My my rationale for putting them in second is that while I think St. Louis is is poised to take a quantum leap and they added another quality player in Goldschmidt, Chicago has quality players. They have veterans. They have players that know what they're doing. And they have, you know, the combination of all the elements you want and good management, you know, in terms of managers. But the, what it's going to come down to is... Do they have enough pride in them to try to put together one last run? Because that's basically what we're looking at. I don't think they're going to maintain all these components going into next year. But it's going to be interesting because one of the things that I noted uh, is that, so first of all, can they stay competitive? I would expect so. I think they're still going to be a good team. But the question that's going to come from it is in 2020, they're going to move to a team-owned network with an exclusive partner. So they're going to get that local TV deal for the potential massive dollars. So having a big influx of cash, we joke, we kind of joked about that uh, Bryce Harper thing, but if they want to splash some of that potential cash around, they can. Uh, I guess they could. Yeah, they could. They could reach out. I again, like I said, I I don't think Bryce Harper's a game breaker. I don't think he's going to move the needle and change. Now, mind you, they'll get buzz. The buzz would be huge. Um, if that's your goal going into twenty twenty to have the buzz and be able to say, hey, we got this, and then rebuild around it, you could do that. And they potentially would ha- then have the cash to be able to. Put a very good team around him in short order because they're not a bad team. It's just figuring out what components you want to retain and what you want to do with it. It's not a, it's not a rebuild, but it's, it'd be like a partial rebuild while you're still a decent team. Yeah, and if you can do that, like that more like we talked about with St. Louis, right? You can do that, then you're going to stay relevant. Yeah, so that in the Chicago market, that's not a bad way to, uh, to, stay, to stay in the headlines, and it's not a bad way to keep the team competitive while potentially setting yourself up for down the road. No, exactly. So that could be interesting. Yeah, I think we covered all the teams then. Yes, we have. Okay, so we've made our way through the National League Central Division. Tune in next week for the American League Central. Yes, the American League Central is coming up next. And then that'll lead us into the last two weeks where we'll do the National League East and the American League East to round things off. The Yankees suck. But with that said, what are we looking forward to this week? So I've got two things for you. Robert Graff update? No. Bryce Harper update. Yes. Well, I don't have... Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're saying what you're looking forward to. 10 years, $600 million, Chicago White Sox. Chicago White Sox? They are one of the the rumored suitors with with everyone. But in all seriousness, what am I actually looking forward to this week? Uh, There's two things that I'm looking forward to for different reasons. Updating your Angel Fire website? No. Maybe. But the big one is the Pelicans and the Lakers are playing each other twice this week. So the, Pel- the first game is in New Orleans, and the second game is in L.A., uh, which should be interesting. Currently, both teams sit outside the playoff picture. There is no chance in hell that a, the New Orleans Pelicans are making the playoffs. There is somewhat of a chance that the Lakers are. Uh, LeBron would probably have to take them there by himself because the other guys on the team apparently can't take the fact that they mentioned in trade rumors and therefore sucked ever since the whole thing started. So it's going to be a thing they're going to talk about. It's going to be an NBA buzz. So I'm, I'm interested in watching that. I may not watch them live, but I have both games set to PBR right now. Fair enough. I think, um, now I know it's against the NBA rules, but don't you think it would be kind of fun if they, uh, if they, you know, Magic and the and the Pelicans ownership got together and said, look, uh, you know, we want to give people some entertainment. Maybe just make it more of an inter-squad game, and then do the and then put uh, put the Lakers players in Pelican jerseys, keep LeBron where he is, and then Anthony Davis can play on his team. It'll be like a little mini All Star. Just see what happens. And just see what happens. Yeah, just to see how they play. In fact, you know what? Anthony Davis and LeBron can play the entire both teams. 
just have them both, just have the other players on the other side and then just play two on two. I think the fans would be more interested in that. Yeah, play one on one, that'd be good too. <laughs> if you got, if it's like, we're just going to do this, it'll be fine. We're going to play horse. Yeah, just just play against each other. It'll be, play an intra-squad game, make it a scrimmage, get Magic Johnson out there. It'll be great. It'll be wonderful. Everyone will enjoy it. Uh, no, that's, I think you're right. It's, um, I am joking. It would be, um, it will be, I think, compelling television. I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think a little bit of the fire of it is going to be taken out of it because they are going to put Anthony Davis, I believe, under minutes restriction, just kind of to preserve him. They are still going to play him because the Pelicans do not want to get fined, but because I think it was $100,000 potentially per game that they would be fined if they kept him out because, you know, competitiveness. But at the same time, it doesn't mean they have to play him all game. Which would also be ridiculous for, remember, the reason they said they weren't gonna, they didn't trade him is because of the they wanted to maintain the integrity of the league. Yeah. Well, then you got to play him. But if then that's you, your argument, but then you, you have the, to play but then, him. But then you fire the general manager. So the Pel- I, that team is a mess. The Pelicans are a bit of a dumpster fire as well. Yes. Huge dumpster fire. Yeah. So we're, we're going to kind of see how that one plays out. So the second thing I'm looking forward Go to on. then. Well, I, I get this is tempered with the looking forward to. This is more in the I'm only care about this because I actually have tickets to the game category. Wow. Uh, is the second le- leg of Toronto FC versus Independiente from Panama. So okay. this is the CONCACAF Champions League. So this is why you're asking me about the pronunciation. And from Panama specifically. Yes. Okay, go on. So in case you're, you know, if you're a solid flower, you don't talk. CONCACAF is North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. So that region. Could you refer to it by its proper name? You can go with football or you can go with pretentious cross-country running. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Maybe football, but I'm never calling it pretentious cross-country running. But just- This is not happening. They have a tournament. Just like the Champions League in Europe, but, you know, whereas the UEFA Champions League is just known as the Champions League because it's the best football you're going to watch. Pretentious cross The CONCACAF Champions League has to put CONCACAF in front of everything because people don't care as much. Branding? And it's a different tournament. So basically, every year since it's been the CONCACAF Champions League, there was another format first. The Mexican team has won. Uh, TFC made the final last year and they lost in penalties. This year, we're thinking a good start. They're playing Independiente, which is a team. So, okay, here's my thing. So they lost 4-0. You have only one thing? They lost 4-0, which is absolutely ridiculous to lose 4-0. Now, I understand it's harder to play. Is that even allowed? I understand it's harder to play in South America for a variety of reasons, which I'm not going to get into. But here's the thing. Independiente plays in a stadium that seats 3,000 people, and it wasn't full. It wasn't full, Carlos. Okay? And TFC just shit the bed. They lost 4-0. They had 70% possession, and the only chance they really had was a penalty that the guy skied over the bar. So I have tickets to the second leg where TFC has to score a minimum of four goals. That'll send it to extra time if they don't allow any. Or they have to score five outright to go. Independiente scores anything, and it's pretty much done because there's no way goal rule. So anyway, basically, for a tournament, I was super looking forward to because of where they were last year, even though... Toronto FC lost a lot of people. And here's the thing. People are going, oh, it's the first game. And Okay, you know you're in this tournament, right? They're still going to make moves. You know you're in this tournament. You should have your roster round out. You lost Javinko, you lost Vasquez, who are arguably your two best players. And you know you're in this tournament and you don't do anything to try and win. What the hell? But I'll be there because I have tickets to the game. So, a couple of things. Uh- I'm really glad you brought this up. I actually didn't know you were going to bring this up, but I am so happy. This this gives me personal joy. So two things. Number one, we began this podcast on the premise of your of your furious anger over the New Orleans Saints thing, and your yelling did not even come, like you were very calm, cool, and collected when we recashed the NFC Championship. But this, 
the CONCACAF championship, pretentious cross-country running, is, is the thing that gets, that gets this response and reaction. I love that. Secondly, I enjoy the fact that they're playing Panama. Soccer's like the only thing we're good at because we suck at baseball and I've established that. But the, but the reality is that... So how much are the tickets, by the way? I'm curious now. You know what? To be honest with you, I don't know because... Because you I, didn't pay for them? Well, no, because it's part of the season ticket package. Okay. So, so I'm not entirely sure how okay, much how much is the season ticket package for the section you're in? Or like nine hundred dollars. How many games? Tickets? How many games are you promised? Uh, I think it's seventeen. Seventeen games and nine hundred. Okay, so and that's for that's for two tickets. So it's like you know four hundred whatever. I was gonna say I was just surprised it was seventeen because the way that the season goes for for them is it aren't they playing like right now? Are they gonna play like four games today? Because they because they have games all the time. No, the season actually starts on March second. I wasn't so the, the season actual, ever like, ended. The regular, the regular season. That's the MLS season. I see, I see. This is a tournament outside of the MLS. But they have uh, MLS teams that play. Well, that's what I mean. They play a lot of extra games outside of the season. Yes. But um, fine, sure. My thing is, given that I call it pretentious cross-country running, I really don't care. But I would say, I still pitch. I think, I think it would work a lot better. Now, mind you, this would probably still frustrate the hell out of you, but it would be funny for me. I think they should just get over the, get over the delusion that you know, there's a lot of offense in this sport and just try a sudden death. Give it a go. As soon as somebody scores, it's done. I don't care if it's one minute in the game. All right, guys, thanks for coming. Game over. Go home. Good luck to you all. God bless. <laughs> that, that would be, but that would be a good television product. You would not leave even during commercials. You'd be like, no, I am not missing the one goal. But then keep playing until someone scores. So no ties. Just one goal, sudden death. So that that's interesting. That's that's not yeah, to your point, that's not really a looking forward to more than yet. Yeah, you bought the tickets. You're not gonna show up so you don't get fined, but you're not gonna show up so you didn't waste your money. So fair enough. Is there anything else you're looking forward to that may or may not involve the amount of yelling? No. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> The amount of jokes. I I I will make this commitment to you. It won't happen for some time. I will allow one episode on pretentious cross-country running, but I will only allow it on the condition that I set up that microphone and it's got to be you and Benny T and I'm just going to sit here shaking my head for the entire hour. We can probably make that happen. Yeah, so that's, you know, you can look forward to that. So, but more importantly now, what are you... Everything, lo- is, more, everything is more important than what you just said. What are you looking forward to, Carlos? All right, so there's a couple of items. So first of all, obviously, uh, we are recording this on the Saturday. So we're going to have, now, as I said, if you were, if somehow you're still listening... God bless you. Thank you. I'm not even a religious man, but God bless you anyway. If you are listening on the YouTube channel, as I said earlier, I did record a couple of a couple of videos t- explaining my angle and my take on the AAF, and I will do some shameless plugs here in a minute. But specifically on the channel itself, I did a couple of what, what I'm calling unnecessary nonsense pod extras, and I've shortened it to UN pod extra because typing unnecessary nonsense pod extra is really annoying. It gets really irritating after a while. So UN pod extra, it is on the channel. And the YouTube channel itself, I want to make sure that I give uh, the right thing. You should be able to find it if you type in unnecessary nonsense podcast. That should suffice to get to podcast it. Podcast is the keyword. Yeah, podcast is the keyword. And I, what I will do is, as I said, I'll put links in the, uh, in the show notes as well as in the description and everything else. But specifically, given that it's a Saturday, today in the afternoon, you're going to have the Arizona Hotshots playing in Salt Lake against the Stallions. That's going to be at 3 p.m. on Bleacher Report Live. Now, by the time this goes up, that game's probably already happening. I'm going to mention it anyway. It is, it is something I'm going to be looking forward to. 
Then in the evening game on Saturday on the NFL Network, we're going to have the Memphis Express taking on the Orlando Apollos, which may or may not be a bloodbath. That'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Memphis can hang because Orlando can score, but they are uh, a slow starting team. First 300 passer in AF history. Almost 400. That was, it was a big game. That'll be the evening game on Saturday. So the game's on Sunday, which I'm going to try to get this uploaded on Saturday one way or another. I'm going to do my best. But on Sunday is going to be interesting as well because the Birmingham Iron are going to play the Atlanta Legends at 4 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network. That'll be interesting because I think it'll be the first good test to see if Birmingham can actually put together a full offensive game plan. I like their defense, but their offensive game plan is what I'm going to be interested in because I think Luis Perez is good. And the last one, the the nightcap on the Sunday, is going to be the San Antonio Commanders, which, by the way, shout out to that team. They've been supporting. I don't know if you caught what the attendance was on the on the two San Antonio games. So they do 27,000 the first game and 29,000 the second. Yeah, that is that, excellent. That's that, great, that's, especially for this league. That is that is big, strong support out of San Antonio early on, in the early days of this league. I am very impressed with what they've done, and I congratulate them on that. And they're going to be playing the San Diego Fleet. So that's going to be at 8 p.m. on the NFL Network. That's going to be the Sunday nightcap. Uh, there's a couple of games there that I think will be good. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Arizona, obviously. I think the San Antonio game on the Sunday night is going to be good. Watching what Orlando does to Memphis, whether they do or not. Hopefully Memphis plays a little better, but if they play Hackenberg, I don't think that's going to be good. As an Orlando Apollos fan... I look forward to the bloodbath. You're, yeah, you're, you're hoping then that they play Hackenberg all the way. Because you know it. I have no idea if they can score any points with Hackenberg, realistically. Overall, there's some good matchups here. We're going to see how that plays out. What I will do, and the reason why I was plugging the YouTube channel a minute ago, was that following the week three games is I'm going to do like a week three recap. Because we're st- I still want to talk about it on the podcast, but rather than wait a whole week to be able to talk about it, I'll give my early thoughts there on a video, and I'll try to be con- I'll try to be a little more concise with it. But you can kind of hear early on what I'm thinking based on what happened in week three and what I saw. So I'll try to watch all the games and and outline what happened there. Other than that, it's going to be shameless plug now. So we're got we have the unnecessary nonsense podcast, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. So that's first. I mentioned the YouTube channel already. On Twitter, it is going to be unnecessary underscore pod, and on Instagram, it's going to be unnecessary podcast. If I do create an extra, it's going to be on the Twitter page. I want to put it on the Instagram page, but I, we don't have enough followers yet in order to be able to do the link, the swipe up thing. That's something new to shoot for later on. But when we do actually get the new podcast episodes up, they will be on both. Otherwise. I think that covers. Is there anything you would like to plug or mention? No, I think we're good. Okay. So as far as things I'm looking forward to, other than the unnecessary plugs, as I said, I'll be enjoying the week three games from Alliance of American Football. They'll be, we'll have a pretty full sports league. It is Canada, so we've got about 350 hockey games, I think, as well. Also that. On various channels. Thanks again for watching. If, uh, if you're able to subscribe. And listening. To th- and listening. If you're able to subscribe to the channel, we appreciate it. If you want to check out some of our social media, we appreciate it. But other than that, Thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.